Hey there, I'm Jamin Baxter, and I serve Moody Radio as the Director of Business Development. Our team's job is to find businesses that love Moody Radio and Jesus Christ and want to support the work we do financially just like you. Today, I'd like to introduce you to United Faith Mortgage. Simply put, they are a faith-focused mortgage team serving clients across the United States. They've put together a team with Christian values with faith and family at the core. They know that this is arguably the most important purchase of your life. Check out the top five things you should know about United Faith Mortgage at unitedfaithmortgage.com. Thanks to you and United Faith Mortgage for supporting Moody Radio. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. This is Ed Stetzer Live, and we are indeed live, though in a complex arrangement, which I'll explain in just a moment. But Ed Stetzer Live comes at you this and every Saturday at this time, and we're having conversations about church and culture and mission and ministry, the moment we're in, the mission we're on, and more. So we're going to talk some today about um, about business, about Christian leadership, and more. Let me tell you from where this conversation comes. So we have a, I, I serve as the Dean of the Wheaton College um, uh, School of Mission, Ministry and Leadership. Uh, and I, we have a master's degree program that is partnered with the Global Leadership Summit. Some of you've seen the Global Leadership Summit, uh, historically connected to Willow Creek. And they have, I mean, it's the largest leadership event in the world, I think in the whole world, like more than the, not just the Christian world, but, um, and it's a, it's a mix of business leaders and church leaders who come to learn how to be more effective as leaders. Um, they'll be, some are just straight business talks. Here's to here's be the kind of best leader you can be. Here's how to be an entrepreneur. Some are, uh, you know, talks from pastor friends of mine, like uh, Craig Rochelle or, or, or others, and talk about, you know, how as Christians we walk in this space. And so one of the wonderful things, and we, we actually have, so we have the Global Leadership Summit has been going on the last two days. And at Wheaton College, we actually have the third day. So we do the third day. And so today we have been have students from really all, all around the world, because we can have the Zoom option now, uh, plus students in person at Wheaton College. I spoke to and taught this morning. So did our guests. So did Tom DeVries, who's the head of the Global Leadership Summit and more. So we're kind of like live from the third day of the Global Leadership Summit. But here's where it's a little weird. So I'm not there. I'm actually in Southern California. So I'm normally like from the Wheaton studio. So our guest is in the Wheaton studio and I'm in Southern California. I'll be speaking. For those of you listening on K-Wave, if you want to say hello, I'll be speaking at uh, Saddleback Church for all the weekend services this weekend on short notice, uh, but happy to do that and here. So, so my guest is back at the studio, but let's jump into a conversation because I think there's uh, there's some some neat things. She's spoken at the Global Leadership Summit. She taught this morning at our partnership certificate with the Global Leadership Summit. And her name is Ibukun Awosuka. And she's a founder and CEO of Chair Center Group. Chair, like like the thing you sit on, overseeing manufacturing, 
retail and bank waste security systems, but there's a reason it's called that. We'll talk about that. She's also served as the chairman of First Bank of Nigeria Limited. Uh, she's been globally recognized, receiving the 2020 Forbes Woman Africa Chairperson Award and also the first Nigerian recipient of the prestigious International Women's Entrepreneurial Challenge Award in 2008. She also founded Christian Missionary Funds, and her faith-based organization works with hundreds of missionaries across Nigeria to change lives with the provision of medical and educational supplies and resources. Ibukun, we're so thankful to have you here on the program today. Thank you, Ed. It's my pleasure to be here. Good deal. You've, you've spoken to, like, Tens and tens of thousands of people. The Global Leadership Summit has, you know, uh, probably a little under 100,000 here live. And then the bigger proportion of people listen around the world. I think Nigeria, Brazil, and India are the top three countries, but they are not the same time. They sort of, uh, obviously, for time zone reasons. So you'll be speaking like via video in all, just, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people. So we're so blessed and honored that you would come and have this conversation uh, with us as well. And you have quite a resume. You founded a company at 26. You served as chairman of the First Bank of Nigeria, founded the Christian Missionary Fund. Tell us a little about you that gives you this drive and this leadership. Before we talk about anything else, I just want to know more about you. Okay. Thank you, Ed. Well, uh, what's there to say? I come from a middle-class family. And my parents were quite invested in educating their children. So going to school was a big thing. Uh, So I had a good secondary education, primary education, secondary education. Went to university, well, a a little confused as a young girl wanting to study so many different things. First I wanted to be a doctor. Then I realized that you really have to deal with some real dead bodies in medical school. And boom, that was the end of that vision. Then I wanted to be an architect, and then I wanted to be a lawyer. Anyway, I went to university in Nigeria studying chemistry, and uh, somewhere in the middle of that, I decided I wanted to be a chartered accountant so I could go and work in a bank. So continued my chemistry degree, but I then started taking electives in uh, accounting and administration. And when I finished in my country, you have to serve the government for one year as a graduate of a tertiary institution. So during that, I worked in uh, Akintola Williams Uncle, which is now Deloitte. And by the end of the year of service working at Deloitte, I realized I really didn't want to be a chartered accountant uh, anymore, And uh, but I still wanted to work in a bank. So I, when I finished, I they offered me a permanent employment. I turned it down and thought, let me find any job to keep me busy whilst I'm still trying to find a bank job. And the first job I could get one week after my youth service to government was in a furniture manufacturing company. So I took the job to kill time, realized why I'd wanted to study architecture because I was enjoying all the design and the creativity involved in the business, but I didn't like the value system of that company. And three and a half months after I started there, I resigned and went to start uh, my own company, you know, thinking I could make this work and I could do it with the right value system. And at this point, I I wasn't a Christian yet because I was raised uh, from a Muslim family. And um, I started my own business trying to pull it off and uh, bring it all together as a young woman. 
with very with no capital to be honest but i'd learned in that company that you know the customer comes with a deposit the carpenters come with their tools and the machineries you needed for manufacturing were available on a pay as you go service in certain processing markets and uh, so i just had to find my first job and i sort of got started from there and that's what's led to 33 years of building a manufacturing group uh, with different companies in furniture manufacturing and then diversifying into some other areas but in the course of doing that when i was starting with an idealistic mindset i had told myself uh, there were two key things i wanted to focus on the value system of building my business so one as a young woman i didn't want to sleep around to get contracts nor did i want to pay bribe in order to get uh, a contract and um i sort of built along that pattern i mean about maybe about 2 years into my business i i gave my life to christ i met the lord and then so i had uh, a lot of teachings my pastor is quite strong on values and the word and all of that and leadership and i had the right teachings to support and to build uh, my business on after that pattern and then i came across materials that supported me i came across the larry bucket ministry and their teachings on uh, biblical business principles I read books like R.G. Letoune Movers of Men and Mountain and there's this story by this man Sam something about giving God 51% of his business and God being his partner and those were fascinating things to me then I decided to build after those patterns and um I built developed a reputation in my country for building business and practices on uh the right value system and i had a reputation for integrity and all of that and at a stage where as corporate governance got into the business world and people were looking for credible people to bring into businesses to serve on boards i found myself on a number of lists and that also then started my corporate journey of serving on multiple boards of multinationals and local locally built companies and up to serving on the board of a sovereign wealth fund for the country and emerging as the chair of uh, First Bank of Nigeria which is the oldest corporate institution in West Africa it's a 127 year old financial institution and uh, I am still the first female to ever serve in that office at the youngest age that anybody served in it well fascinating so i'm still love, building and i'm still yeah. doing yeah, yeah. so many other things but in a nutshell Yeah, no that's 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 a quite a nutshell. Um and I think fascinating at multiple levels. And and one of the things that for a lot of, you know, our all of our terrestrial radio stations are in the United States. People listen by the podcast around the world. But um the just casual way you mentioned uh, uh I didn't want to sleep or sleep with somebody or pay bribes to become successful is actually um not something that maybe you'd hear as regularly though though I think we find out more that was more common than people thought and um I think the and this is part of the reality around the world and so uh, we want to continue our conversation in just a moment we're also going to take your calls as well so let me invite you also to call 877 maybe you want to ask questions learn more about the business journey and the christian commitment as well 877-548-3675 is our number 
877-548-3675. We'll come back. We're going to talk some about how to walk as a person in integrity in business climates, which is true for so many places that's not always filled with that same integrity. Continue in just a moment. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer Live, and we are actually having this conversation as part of the Global Leadership Summit, uh, the Global Leadership Network Global Leadership Summit. So we have the privilege of of actually uh, connecting there. We've got the third day in partnership with the Wheaton College Graduate School, and one of the guest speakers at the uh, Global Leadership Summit itself stayed over to teach in the third day with us, and we have her with us today. We're talking to Bukin Owosaka, who is, well, I gave her a very impressive and long bio at the beginning. But just before the break, we were discussing some of the complexities of doing business in what I would say is most of the world. This is true in, um, you know, I've done some work in Brazil, um, substantial work, writing a book there, doing research. And it, one of the questions that Christians consistently have is, do I pay the bribes so that I can move ahead in business. Uh, uh, and of course, as a woman leader, uh, Abukun talked about her own just decision to be a person of character. I imagine, though, that was not without um, consequence and challenge. Can you tell us kind of how you thought through that and and ultimately why you decided to focus uh, with this, just focus on integrity and character in leadership? Okay, thanks. I, I think one of the things as Christians we're going to have to decide is who we want to be. And when we make the choices uh, concerning who we want to be, we must be willing to have the courage to stand for it and fight for it. And once I made those decisions as the backbone of how I was going to build my business, it became a non-negotiable fact. And the reality then for me was how do I create the kind of value that still made me indispensable to my customers uh, in a way that my business could be sustainable. So that forced me to work on seeking to deliver the right quality and the best quality at the best price with the right service to my customer in such a way that I'll have a competitive advantage that was not based on those compromises. And I also had to make the decision to be willing to walk away from every transaction that would seek uh, that I would have to compromise it. You know, once you decide that you're willing to pay the price, then it becomes a non-issue. Yeah, there will be painful moments when you watch and see people that are less qualified than you, you know, walk away with a transaction that you're better able to deliver on. And, and all of that. But I saw that, you know, the grace of God is more than sufficient for us in many ways. And you also become creative. You know, I had to find, if, if I wasn't going to um, cheat on customs uh, payment on my shipments, which meant my cost is high and others are willing to under invoice in order to uh, reduce their cost, and that makes them far more competitive than you are with price. What I then had to do, you know, which is real for me, is I had to work with a lower margin, but I had to make my product desirable because of the quality, and two, I had to seek volume. That even if I'm selling 
at a competitive price, taking a lower margin because my cost is higher by doing the right things. I then had to pray and seek to sell a larger volume than they would so that my small margin combined with a high volume could give me a higher profit. And this became my prayer points. You know, I could go to God and say, look, I'm not doing these things because of you. And you have to honor my faith. And the Bible says we should come and we should, you know, come and argue together. We should contend together on all of these issues. I learned to find all the scriptures that gave me the right to go before God and demand things and to pray about situations. And, you know, also the market itself found its own ways because I had insisted on us building products that people needed and wanted. And because they wanted our product, but on our terms, we wanted them to do it on our terms. They will find a third party that would buy from us on our terms at our price, and they can make a deal together on how they can still try to take advantage of their stakeholders. And that's not my business. My business is to ensure that I'm able to maintain my own value system and to do the right thing that gives me peace to be able to go before God, you know, and ask for whatever help I needed where my business is concerned. So for all of us, it's a personal decision. And that decision includes willing, the willingness to pay the price for the decisions that we make. But ultimately, it doesn't mean that we will not succeed. It just means sometimes we might seem a little slower, but slow and steady is better than quick and dead. Because, you know, I've watched many businesses build on wrong uh, practices and wrong value system. And over time, they burn out or something dramatic happens and they're totally out, out of play. But I've been in business for, this is the 33rd year now. And, you know, we're still there. And a time did come when it was profitable that I had built a reputation for doing things right. You know, because when corporate governance became a main thing in our market, people were then looking for people of integrity and character and people that can be trusted to serve on their boards. Both multinational companies working in Nigeria and local corporates were looking for those kind of people. And that's a list that for us as Christians, we should readily be able to get on, you know. And whenever we allow the environment to pressure us to do things differently, then we take ourselves out of play. And I, I then found myself on multiple lists and that's how my corporate career started. So as I was building my own businesses, I then started being a very active player in terms of serving on multiple boards or chairing boards and all of that. Yeah, so there's, there's no question that, right, no question in most of the world that um, being willing to pay the bribe, being willing to do the inappropriate thing to get the deal is how it's done in, in, in huge parts of the world, and more so than people are aware, even in the United States. Um, and yet, there is increasingly, we see you mentioned the growing concern and desire for corporate governance. In other words, people want boards that are going to help companies act with integrity because, you know, paying bribes costs a huge, there's a, it's a huge tax inside of an economy, inside of a system of a business. So there appears to be a business advantage to being a person of character. Am I wrong? And how does that play out for you and your companies and other companies you've seen where integrity becomes the business advantage? Well, I mean, you're exactly right, because 
any kind of um, compromise is a tax on the business. It just means the business ends up um, incurring a higher cost than it should in order to be able to deliver its product or its service. And in many cases, actually, the end user is the one that suffers because sometimes let's take maybe contracts in governments. And, and this happens, like you said, in most countries of the world. And uh, it's at different levels. You know, the brazenness with which people do it is different from one country to the other. But I can stake my life on the fact that it happens in every single country. And, uh, and there are many of us, even as Christians, who are players within it. Because if a government makes an order and is paying from taxpayers' money, and um, the individuals who are in charge are willing to allow uh, a supplier or a contractor to charge more for the contract simply because they themselves are going to be paid under the table, then, you know, the country is losing. Or sometimes, you know, the corruption is in the quality of the service that is allowed to be delivered, you know, which sometimes is how you can have bridges that fall apart, buildings that collapse, medical um, institutions that are set up without the right quality of equipment, or monies allocated for public service things that, you know, are not there, but they're paid for. And even in corporate organizations, because this isn't just a public sector issue, it's an issue that runs from private to public. And uh, people just totally get infected with this disease and ultimately it affects how we do business and destroys a lot of uh, lives and career and people who are willing to do it right sometimes also become disadvantaged which then discourages people as well so they, the cost is multiple on on different fronts and um, it's about as Christians really we should be the advantaged group in terms of this, because if we have a critical mass of people willing to do things right and to call people out and um, to make it advantageous for companies to have a track record of integrity, for companies, there's um, an organization we have in Nigeria that is called Convention on Business Integrity. And part of what we do, incidentally, I chair that organization right now, part of what we do is for companies from multinationals to local corporates and small and medium-sized companies to sign on to the Convention on Business Integrity, signing on that they will do their businesses by a certain value system. And part of what we're trying to do is to ensure that that becomes the kind of thing that is an advantage uh, for companies to give their works to certain people, that you want companies who, by practice and track record, you know, are signed on to such conventions and practices because ultimately you know that your company gets the best value for the best product or service because the company you're doing business with will do things the right way, you know, in, in terms of their transactions. It's, um, it's something we have to ensure happens on scale and we have to hold people accountable for it. And as we continue to do that, then we build a better environment, both public sector and private sector, and we can hope that that would encourage more people to be held accountable or to commit to doing it right. And, and, I, and I dare say that we as Christians, by our faith, that's really, I mean, something that we do need 
uh, to pay attention to. And there are many scriptures in the Bible that covers all the issues of corruption, of bribery, of uh, cheating, and all of those things. And uh, I, I find the Bible a complete book because it covers many more aspects of our daily lives than we we do know that it does. But when we're sick, we would always find the right scripture for all the things that we have to deal with. Well, I love your passion for the scriptures, and I love... I was a little surprised the Larry Burkett reference, but uh, as someone I've loved, I love Larry Burkett and, and was been, been very influenced. And so I love just hearing the principles of business integrity. And that's what the Global Leadership Summit is sort of known for. It's and such an influence around the world because it is calling people to this kind of leadership. And there are economic, well, there are huge economic benefits in a society when people. Yeah like the minor prophets talk about when they act with integrity, when they have honest scales. But as a Christian, there's a great benefit to our witness as well. Now, I want to invite people to um, to call in. I'm going to take a call in just a moment for the uh, for the top, bottom of the hour. We're going to go to Michael in just a moment, Brandon, Florida. So, Michael, be ready. Uh, but I want to invite you as well, 877-548-3675 is our number. That's 877 877- Five four eight three six seven five. So, Michael, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Oh, my question is: um, I just finished my master's degree in accounting, and I'm trying to set up uh, my business. And I, fortunately, I come from Africa too, or Nigeria in, in particular. And I want to have uh, a new uh, kind. Can she um, uh, uh, give me some advice to to start as a, as a Christian or business person, like she she been explaining? Uh, how can I get hold of her uh, her company or her her information? So if I, if there's any okay. resources that I can get yeah. from her. Okay, thank you so much for your question. So we've got um, about just a, about a minute. So I think what we'll probably do is maybe start. And I, I love the fact that Michael, and thank you, Michael, so much for your call. Michael's 65, he said, and he just got his master's degree in accounting. And so what I'd particularly like you to weigh in, and we'll do this on the, on the other side. Uh, we're going to take a, a quick pause and then the other side uh, have you answer is, what advice would you give somebody who's starting in business, who's engaging um, in, in, in this case, it's 65 years old. I love this. Michael, thank you so much for your call. Also a Nigerian. Nigerians for the win. But just in a moment when we come back, maybe just share with us your advice for Michael, 65 with a master's degree in accounting, ready to start out, but also in general, how can we engage in business? And if you've got questions as well, I want to invite you, 877-548-3675. We're having a conversation about business, Christian ethics, and more, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. Uh, Ed Stetzer live, and we are indeed live. We're actually finishing up the third day, we call it, of the Global Leadership Summit. Global Leadership Summit of the Global Leadership Network, well-known global, I mean, just leadership event that is uh, 
for business people and church leaders. Um, it's uh, impacted my life many, many times over the years. And we're thrilled that at the Litvin School at Wheaton College, where I lead, uh, the graduate school, we actually have the privilege of connecting with them in this educational partnership with the Global Leadership Network. And right now, we're having the third day of the Global Leadership Network right there at Wheaton College. I'm not at Wheaton College, as I mentioned at the top of the show. I'm actually in Southern California on uh, some short notice, speaking at Saddleback uh, Church this weekend. And uh, I mentioned the K-Wave folks can always come by and say hello, but we're really thankful for the partnership with the Global Leadership Network as well. By the way, the team at Wheaton, where our guest is, super thankful to Andy Cook and for uh, and, and just helping us on this journey that we're ultimately in. And also um, kind of a new guy to the team as well, Tyler Charleston. Welcome to, have, to him have the team helping us out there on the Wheaton end. Our guest is Bukun Awosuka, and she is the founder and CEO of the Chair Center Group, um, also serves as the chairman of the First Bank of Nigeria, um, and we're taking your calls. We're, we're kind of focusing on business some, and the first question was about um, really advice on how to step into business, but I want to invite you to our conversation today as well. You can call 877-548-3675. So to you, Abukun, um, his question, Michael's question was, he's 65, he just got a master's in accounting, he's starting out in business, or probably starting again in business at 65. What advice would you have for him and for anybody in general who might want to be stepping out into the business world? I love, I love that we can have this conversation. What do you think? Okay. Well, congratulations to our guest, uh, the person who asked the question and about um, graduating. Age has no barrier to education, and I'm super proud of the fact that um, you had the courage to do it at this stage and still pursue a new uh, professional area. Now, you must have interest in accounting for you to do that even at this stage. And it's a field that allows you a lot of independence in terms of uh, expression and all of that. And obviously, at that age, you're not likely to be able to go into any accounting, major accounting firm or so, to work and to learn. But it's a very practical field as well, which means you have to apply the knowledge, you know, to serve companies that need the service. And maybe one of the places to start is to look for your low-hanging fruits, are there companies, uh, are there small or medium-sized companies around you that need accounting services support that you can start from so that you can begin to build a track record? When, when you're starting in a new area, it's always good to find your um, low-hanging fruits, the points that are easy for you to get into. And because the certificate is one thing, but the knowledge and experience in that field is another, and the client typically is looking for both. They're looking for the knowledge, but they're also looking for the experience and expertise that comes from doing that job for some time. And accounting codes and principles are different from country to country. I mean, the basic fundamental knowledge is the same, but the application based on the rules in each country is different. And if you've trained as as an accountant in in America, you know, it means that the things you've been taught, they're more familiar to, to the environment. And I assume that you probably live here too. So why don't you start with um, companies that are willing for you to offer them a private service? But you might also find a firm, you know, that's willing to take on uh, independent or employ full-time 
accountants that form part of their team in offering the service to uh, companies that need it. And that allows you to lean on the experience of those who have been doing it for a while longer within that company, that in working with them, you can learn from them as well and also affords you the opportunity to see the inside of multiple companies and probably make the kind of contact and network that can lead to you being able to build your own customer base uh, in the future as well. What is key about starting a new business is that you, you, you have a sense of the opportunity that exists within that field around you, that you have the skills and the talent that is necessary to be able to deliver value, and that you uh, invest the time to sort of do your due diligence and put a, a business plan together. Now, the essence of the business plan is to try and cover all the different areas because with setting up a business, you can't have blind spots. So you want to, when you write things down and try to put them together, you're able to see the gaps a lot better. And I always say that starting a business is always best to start small. What does starting small help you to do? It helps you to have like proof of concept because the best business plan in the world is filled with a lot of assumptions, you know, and there are many assumptions that can prove not to be true when you get into reality. So if you do it small and you're wrong in any of your assumptions, the scale of disappointment or loss associated with that is much smaller. It's probably not big enough for you to give up and abandon the project. But if you've already set up on a larger scale and things don't work based on your assumption, then the scale of loss and disappointment can make you totally think that that's not something to pursue at all. So I like scaled growth, you know, rather than uh, just because I have the resources I set up uh, on a large scale anyhow. And um, also try and find people who are in any field or area where you want to do business and learn from them. They're things you never know until you're in a particular industry. They're industry secrets and knowledge that are available that you either gain by working in that industry first before you step out on your own, or you do it by leaning on people who are willing to share the information with you and to support you through, or by partnering with people who have those skills. So another thing is you might not want to go, go out on your own. You might find a partner, but with partnerships, you also have to do the due diligence. It's a bit like a marriage, so you have to be sure that in mm. partnering with anyone that you actually want exactly the same thing. It might sound like you want the same thing, but you might find out that you actually want different things. So you need to have a, a serious conversation about that. You know, you write down what you want. You let the other person write down all the things they expect from the business. And you guys discuss item by item from each person. And whatever you agree to together becomes your common terms of reference that you put on a document that you start to build the terms of agreement of your of your partnership and you need to define many things you know um who is going to be the ceo who is going to be director of this it's not about positioning it's about who has the best talent and skill to operate in whichever area you need to okay if you're a christian company and you want to pay tithes whose church do you pay the tithe to if you ever have right, a disagreement right. who is going to be the one that would be the arbitrator between your pastor, my pastor, your friend, my friend. You know, there, there are many issues that come into partnership. But partnership is one of um, great ways 
for startups because you can have multiplicity of talents come together and resources that helps you to be in a better position. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love for the, I think this is the first time in over the year, the radio show, we've had a kind of practical business conversation. And I, I think one of the reasons that this matters is that I just think that when Christians step into business and the, the people of integrity and people who work hard and God blesses that, and it's not the only way that God blesses and it's not the sure. only path that people might go, but it does speak to the fact that being people of character matters, that we maybe stand out as people of character. And our Christian faith, I think, as in your case, has ultimately created a reputation of character and can ultimately make a difference. And I, I want to invite uh, people again to call is uh, in one in our last segment and give you the opportunity to, uh, to kind of ask any questions you'd like. Again, our phone number is 877 548 Our guest is Abukun Awosika, and we're talking about her, well, her leadership. She's been speaking at the Global Leadership Summit. We're happy to have her in the th third day here in partnership with the Wheaton College. And we're going to take your calls, maybe business questions, uh, maybe how your witness in business has worked and thrived or struggled. 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. back at Stetzer Live. We're live from the third day at the Global Leadership Summit in partnership with Wheaton College and the Global Leadership Network. Uh, and we're having a conversation with Abuku Nawosaka about um, really business leadership and more. I want to just touch briefly, though, um, obviously your faith impacts everything that you do. And it's been, in some ways, key to your success because it, your faith is reflected in your character and integrity and um, but you became a Christian, and tell us about the road from becoming, uh, you were, you grew up, I think, Muslim, became a Christian. Tell us about the journey of faith that brought you to where you are today. Okay, so I was essentially raised as a, a Muslim girl, and um, at a stage of my life, I think it was, it was four months to my wedding, and I was 27 plus when uh, I met the Lord. And um, I was already in business. I'd started my business already. And um, I first gave my life in this little gospel church. And then I migrated with my husband into uh, the starting of um, the Fountain of Life Church uh, in Lagos, which is where I have been nurtured for the last uh, almost 30 years uh, or so. And... Uh, Having pastors who are committed to raising leaders and teaching you uh, the word as the substance of your living and uh, of your business, of your life, and making you word-focused, word-centered, integrity-focused, and all of that made a lot of difference in my life because I had the substance to support the dream and the desire that I that I had. I, I had started as an idealistic young woman wanting to build my business on what were moral codes based on the way I had been brought up. But in my journey of faith, I learned the strength, I got the strength and the conviction from the word 
that sustained me when those moral codes I was holding myself to were challenged at any point in time. And that fed, you know, my ability to stay focused. And then being in a church or a community of um, people or believers who were walking the same journey allowed you to have your errands and your oars that held you up, you know, in the most uh, trying moments in walking that, that faith. And then I became uh, the head of the business fellowship in church. And that responsibility in itself ensured that, you know, walking the path of building the business based on those values and sourcing for information to strengthen that journey, you know, became my responsibility. And that only strengthened my ability to do that. And that's what led to, you know, all the kind of looking for the right materials, the Larry Buckets kind of books the R.G. Letonet kind of books and uh, sessions and teachings. And, and the more you, you, you build your life around those kind of values and you see that it's possible to, you know, especially in maybe a more difficult environment like, like, like mine, then the more confident and comfortable you become with living your life that way. And, and then over time, you realize also it is a sustainable um way to live that allows you to go to sleep at night without fear. It might, it might seem like you're a little slower than some people at a stage, but ultimately when those businesses that seem to have had rapid growth have also disappeared based on those same value matters and you're still there, then you know that your slow and steady was worth it. You know, one of the things that, uh, two examples that uh, one, I think is Psalm 92, uh, talking about the palm tree you know, and how uh, the, the, righteous, um, the righteous are like a palm tree, you know, that is planted. And, you know, when you grow a palm tree in reality, for about two, three years, you know, nothing is happening on the ground. It looks as if it's a wasted seed. But within that time, it's actually establishing its root and its foundation. And it takes a while before you see the first sprout. And then it begins to build, and it builds that when the wind comes and the sun and everything and the waters, it remains and it stands through the seasons, you know. And I've since also learned about the bamboo. The bamboo takes about five years, you know, and the root is established, but it comes out as this slim, thin, tall tree that grows so tall so quickly. But it doesn't matter what wind and all that comes, the tensile strength of the bamboo tree, you know, will always challenge the mind of the engineer in terms of the strength that you expect from something that looks so weak and so. But the grass is like the unrighteous that grows so quickly, green and luscious. In six months, you'd see the grass take over everywhere and you would almost be envious of the grass. But you know what? In a very short while, it dries up and is burnt up and the ground on which it grew will never even remember it. So that's the kind of lesson we can take into our business, that, look, it's possible to do things in a way that you can make quick profit. You can seem to succeed so much faster. And those who are building steadily with the right values can seem to be slower, you know. But over time, when you want to build sustainably for the long term, you must build on the right values. You must build on the right practices. You must build with the right um, mindset as it concerns your, the welfare of your workers, as it concerns 
you know, your legal responsibilities as it concerns your community and all of that, ultimately, you will stand for the longest term and you can make the right investments in your business. Obviously, that does not, your faith-based belief and all of that does not take away from your responsibility to build knowledge, to get the right people hired to work for you, to get the right equipment, to seek the right opportunities, to be competitive on the market on the right terms, you know, and to ensure that you are skilled, you're capable, you're knowledgeable. You, you will pray, but you cannot pray without also being efficient and productive and equipped to compete. So you have to, you know, when the Bible says that we should be as, um, that the children of the world are wiser than the children of the kingdom, you know, and all of that, we must be as wise as the serpent. We need to be able to compete. We need to know how the world thinks. We need to know how to compete within the scheme of the world, but we must do it without betraying who we are, you know, and that comes from us ensuring that we're equipped, we're competitive, we're knowledgeable, we're current, you know, that we hire the best people. We don't hire for emotions. We hire for skills and competence and integrity. And we build institutions that can last and last for the longest time. That's still our responsibility. Oh, I love I love how you lay out a compelling vision. I want to work for you. I think is what it is. I'm gonna. I love this. Listen, you just spoke at the uh, you just spoke at the Global Leadership Summit. Hundreds of thousands of people will listen to the Global Leadership Summit talk you just gave, and people could be listening right now and saying, "Well, you know, she's a superstar. I could, could never accomplish that." Um, how do you encourage people who uh, you know aren't speaking a global soup network, aren't the heads of banks and big companies? How do we look for the gifts, the opportunities that God gives us rather than comparing ourselves to others? And we got about two minutes. So tell us, how, how would you advise people to just find their gifts and walk in them in the business world? I think that it, it, it comes in stages of our lives. It doesn't happen overnight. And we must be comfortable to follow God for the different seasons of our lives. What, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it well for the time and the season and whatever that opportunity is at that moment. Make the most of it. Apply yourself. Leave a legacy of the best of you for the opportunity you have. And never consider an opportunity too small to apply the best of you to it. Because one thing I've learned in life is you never know who is actually the guy who is going to open the door for you. Because every person you come in contact at every stage, it's a trail you're leaving and a legacy you're leaving with other people. And when you, you're committed to doing everything you do at every stage in the best way, understanding that you're an ambassador of Christ and you represent God at every point and not knowing who is the angel in your path, then you would find that what, you know, seems like a little opportunity today might be the one that someone that you met at that point is waiting 10 doors down. And it's that person that says, you know what, when I met that woman or when I met that guy, the way she worked, the way he worked, impressed me in such a way that I think we should go and look for that person in that company. And I think that person can perform this role effectively. So it's about our attitude and our commitment when nobody is looking. So it's not about the big moments. It's about the moments, the everyday moments of our lives and how we take those same opportunities with the same. The Bible says, show me a man that is diligent in his ways. He will find himself, he will stand before kings and not just mere men. So diligence is not about in the big office. It's about diligence even when there's nobody there. 
when the way you handle the little assignment will impact on how you will handle the big assignment because it's about how you think and how you work and about your attitude and your value system and so what i would always say is do the best you can for with everything that you find that you can lay your hands on i love it i love it thank you so much for being our guest today you're listening to Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Eyeball Institute at Stetzer Live. You can find us on social media and more. Thanks for listening today, and we look forward to talking to you next week with Tom Lynn of InterVarsity.